Hey, welcome to another episode of Hardy Wrestling with me, Stephanie Hardy. Thank you so much for listening to me. Um, thank you um, to those who have already been listening to me from the jump. And if you haven't been listening to me and this is your first episode, welcome. Welcome to this crazy world um, that I've fallen in love with. Um, so, well, this week I'm going to be discussing, you know, all the events of WrestleMania because that's like the most amazing event that's happened in the like the past week and I'm also going to discuss how the shows you know went on throughout the week afterward because usually that's when they start popping off new things and new storylines um for the year and everything and how that coalesces with everything that's going on in the world and I'm also going to be discussing my personal relationship with Wrestlemania and of course the news and gossip that's going on this week so sit back relax and chill and listen to this um episode Thank you. This is Hardy Wrestling with Stephanie Hardy. Okay, so we're going to talk about um, news and gossip-ish. And we're going to start with some major news in terms of some superstars having left the company of WWE. And that's the Revival Tag Team. They got released um, and they announced, WWE announced Friday, that it came to terms with the immediate release of Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder of the Revival. And for those who don't know, when WWE says that they've come to terms with the release, that basically means that they've... um, let them go they fired them but they just put it in a very nice way um for those who don't know who the revival is they started off as a tag team in nxt in 2014 where they became the first team to ever win the nxt tag team titles twice and they were called up to the main roster in 2017 where they were three-time champions on raw and on smackdown they raw they won the raw tag team titles twice and the smackdown tag team titles once and they have been hinting that that they've been feeling really unhappy on social media with their direction because there'll be a couple of times on television where you would see them on tv and then there'd be some times where they'd start off really hot with them like placing them with randy orton or you know with someone else like um like baron corbin with his king corbin gimmick but somehow or another they would fall off and not be on television anymore and I guess that just wasn't working for them anymore. So there's no word yet on whether or not they'll head to AEW, which seems like the cool place to go at this point, or New Japan Pro Wrestling or Ring of Honor or Impact Wrestling. But I do wish them the best and I hope that they find, you know, whatever it is that they're looking for elsewhere. So you don't necessarily just have to have, you know, happiness in the WWE. You can find it elsewhere. So good luck to them. And then um, we also had this situation where Ronda Rousey um, addressed how she felt about wrestling fans who weren't necessarily grateful um, towards her performances. So during an appearance on the Wild Ride with Steve-O podcast, she stated that she would rather spend time with her family than perform um, for a bunch of quote unquote effing ungrateful fans. And... She and basically, you know, she found great success in WWE by making her debut at WrestleMania in 2018, and then she won the Raw Women's Championship, and she had a great run with that until, of course, she dropped it to Becky Lynch last year at WrestleMania in the first ever women's main event, um, in the match she had with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, and. Even though she had a loyal fan base, including myself, because I love Ronda Rousey, um, fans did turn on her because she won almost all of her matches. And then there was also the situation where at Survivor Series of 2018, she faced Charlotte Flair when it was supposed to be Becky Lynch facing her, but Becky Lynch got injured by Nia Jax because Nia Jax punched her and broke her nose, and she wasn't cleared to compete. So because, um, because Ronda was fighting Charlotte it was almost like they were rooting for Charlotte because she was taking Becky's place and because Ronda wasn't Becky or because you know even though she was a face and everything and Charlotte was a heel at the time it was almost like they were crapping all over Ronda and ever since then nobody even truly liked her and and it was just you know that's just how the cards fell but 
she is still under contract with WWE until two th- until April of next year. So who knows? She might be coming back pretty soon. But then there's just so much other stuff that has unfolded from her saying what she said. Because she also made a statement about how she did enjoy being in the WWE and, and putting on what she described as fake fights with people. Now, she said that she loves the WWE and she had such a great time and how she loved all the girls in the locker room and running out there and having fake fights for fun is the, just the best thing. I love choreography. I love acting. I love theater, live theater and some of the last, you know, the last forms of live theater. But I was basically doing part time and was away from home 200 days out of the year. And when I did get home, I was so sleep deprived because you just can't have any time to lay down. Now... All of these comments that she has made has incited WWE superstars such as Alexa Bliss, Lana, and um, Nia Jax to come at her because she called them fake fights. And Alexa Bliss tweeted, hmm, was out for almost a year. Must have been quote unquote fake. And then Lana who is at um, Lana WWE said, I have no words for her audacity to say fake fighting. If it's fake, then why can't Paige and TJ Wilson wrestle anymore? If it is fake, why couldn't Edge wrestle for 11 years? This is a contact sport where real things happen. And Lana was addressing the idea that um, WWE superstar Paige can't wrestle anymore because of an injury she sustained during her return in 2018 in a live um, house show and now she's officially retired from wrestling and she also referred to Edge who retired nine years ago after his last match um, at Wrestlemania 27 and he didn't wrestle for nine years but now of course he's back wrestling now but it was a serious neck injury so and then Nia Jax mentioned that she can't wait for Ronda to return one day even if WWE orders me to make Ronda look good in the ring which is the only way for Ronda to look good in the ring with me I'll risk my job to go down in history as the one from this biz that knocked her the f out hashtag test me b word y'all she has made everybody mad (laughs) but I really feel like Ronda wasn't meaning to make everybody angry with this because honestly you could tell that Ronda was having such a good time when she was in the WWE and even though she may have been angry that the fans were turning on her or whatever she was still you know feeding into it with her heel behavior so who knows maybe all of this is really just a work for her to come back one day because Becky Lynch did you know come out victorious at Wrestlemania and and beat one of be one of Ronda Rousey's like best friend Shayna Baszler so who knows maybe this is a work (laughs) so we'll see Also in news and gossip, we have Triple H having a special 25th anniversary SmackDown celebration in two weeks. Um, There's no word yet on what what SmackDown is planning for the show, but I feel like it's well um, documented that Triple H is an icon in the wrestling business. He debuted um, in the WWE on April 30th, 1995, and he became a five-time Intercontinental Champion, a three-time World Tag Team Champion, a two-time European Champion and a 14-time world champion and two-time Royal Rumble match winner. And now he basically serves as the executive vice president of global talent strategy and development in WWE. And he's the creator slash father figure dad of NXT who's sewing into the future of the wrestling business. So it's definitely worth a celebration. He's definitely worth it. He's created a community of growth and happiness I guess you should say in terms of NXT and turn them into the third brand and um, I feel like this celebration is well warranted so I'm excited for that also in news and gossipish you have Wrestlemania 36 becoming the most social event in WWE history Wrestlemania saw a total according to WWE WrestleMania saw a total of 13.8 million social media interactions on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which was up from 57% from last year's. And it was definitely the most talked about in terms of their two most amazing matches, which was the Firefly Funhouse match between Bray Wyatt and John Cena and the 
history trip that was and the boneyard match between AJ Styles and The Undertaker because those matches were definitely out of the ordinary because they weren't held in a regular ring of course one was held in a boneyard slash cemetery and then another one was held between the annals of history so that was really cool to see and also in news and gossip we have the fact that WWE is starting their live shows back they're starting their live shows this week again and here lately because of the crisis they've had to record Raw and Smackdown and NXT and pre-tape them and everything and they even to a certain degree they even pre-tape Wrestlemania but they're going to start with the live shows again because they're contractually obligated to do so and it's another point of revenue for the superstars seeing as they can't really do live shows at this point anymore because of the crisis and you know all the regular live shows that they would normally do when they go on tour so they're starting that back up again so that's all for news and gossipish and now we're going to go to wrestling fan story time Okay, so now we are at the segment, which I like to call Wrestling Fan Story Time. And I'm going to tell the story about my personal relationship with WrestleMania and how I felt about this week's WrestleMania and all of the above. Um, so I'm going to start, well, this week on social media. I am friends with a lot of people um, who are wrestling fans. And one of the coolest things that I found that I was able to do was to talk about all the things about wrestling that I love because I feel like that's what WrestleMania just sort of um, opens up for people. It gives people the ability to talk about all the things that they've loved about wrestling in the past and the present and um, what they hope for its future ultimately. And I just absolutely loved how people were talking about the first WrestleManias they ever saw, whether it be on pay-per-view or DVD or um, or live or whatever. And then people were talking about who their favorite wrestlers were and sharing pictures all over social media and everything. And it was just, it's, it's, it's almost like WrestleMania is almost like a giant wrestling convention in which all of us, you know, past, present and old and young can just come together and just coalesce and talk about our universal love for this crazy thing called professional wrestling so um it was just so beautiful to participate in on social media because all this crazy stuff going on it's just nice to have an escape so for my first wrestlemania um the first one i ever watched was wrestlemania 19 and that was on dvd because there was a point where my dad was buying a whole bunch of wrestling dvds and i think even to this day he still buys them and he bought wrestlemania 19 and that was the one that was in seattle washington um shout out to seattle um and basically I believe this was the one where Kurt Angle fought Brock Lesnar for, I believe, the title. I believe the WWE Championship. I believe this was also the one where Vince McMahon fought Hulk Hogan. And I believe this is also the one where The Rock fought Stone Cold Steve Austin for the final time. And Chris Jericho fought, um, Chris Jericho fought Shawn Michaels so this was like a really cool Wrestlemania to watch um in terms of me not fully at the time since I was a kid and there was a point where I had stopped watching wrestling but then got right back into it and in just watching this Wrestlemania sort of take place and seeing Limp Biscuit perform for um, <laughs> The Undertaker to sing the Rolling song and all of that when he was Biker Taker was just amazing to see. And even then, like, I couldn't fully grasp how large WrestleMania was until WrestleMania 20 rolled around. And since that was the 20th anniversary show, um, it was special because they went back to Madison Square Garden, which is where they had the first WrestleMania, and they decorated it to look the set to look like New York. And the Harlem Boys Choir sang "America the Beautiful," and I am a choir nerd, so that was beautiful to me. It was one of my favorite renditions of "America the Beautiful" at WrestleMania ever, um, probably in my top five. And um, that was where I fully, I was able fully, I was able to fully grasp how amazing and how large of a scale WrestleMania can be. 
and watching how you know the amazing matches they had you had Victoria and Molly Holly fighting for the women's championship and the loser had to be shaved bald um (laughs) and that was amazing and then you had Eddie Guerrero win his match against Kurt Angle and retain his um WWE Championship and then of course you had um the triple threat match with Triple H and Shawn Michaels versus Chris Benoit and the moment that that was and how Chris Benoit had his moment in the sun but I've already addressed him before in the last episode so yeah but that was one of the coolest WrestleManias I've seen and since then um I've been watching every WrestleMania afterward and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, no WrestleMania show has ever disappointed me. I've always taken something, you know, cool out of it because there's just so much grandeur and so much decoration within so much. There's so much that you can see the stars put into it. And you can tell that even now because of social media, um, WrestleMania means so much to the superstars and it means so much to us as fans because we get to collectively share our love for this thing. And... I believe another one of my favorite ones is definitely the one where Ric Flair had his farewell match with Shawn Michaels because he had to retire. And that was also the same weekend he was inducted into the Hall of Fame on his own merit. Because as you know, he's been inducted, for those who don't know, Ric Flair has been inducted twice as a member of the Four Horsemen and also by himself. And his entire family was there to see him wrestle his farewell match in WWE including Charlotte Flair and um um sadly enough um Reed was there too before he um passed away but you know it was just a very beautiful moment and then you also had Shawn Michaels have his moment in the sun where he retired after his second match with The Undertaker um and him and The Undertaker had two of the best um streak matches I'd ever seen and Um, especially that time where The Undertaker did some type of dive over the ring and wound up landing on the cameraman and almost killed him. That was incredible. Um, and so WrestleMania has always given me a point of joy. And also my favorite, one of my favorite WrestleManias, definitely, um, and unpopularly is WrestleMania 27 because I had the pleasure of attending that one. And I know that on the internet, you know, amongst the internet wrestling community, WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta in 2011 is highly regarded as one of the worst WrestleManias ever. Screw y'all, because that's mine. And (laughs) me and my dad and my sister went to that WrestleMania. We drove um, to that. We drove to Atlanta and we went there and we were just utterly amazed at the amount of people that were there because... You always, you know, see on television how many people go to WrestleMania, but to actually experience it and ex- and to see all these people who came from different states, different countries to this big thing, it's just like, whoa. And to be in the midst of that and to in the midst of all that grandeur and the decoration and the lights and everything was just amazing. And The Rock was the host and I love The Rock. So to be able to see him live was just like, yes. You know, because I hadn't seen him live in like in years. So um, so that was really cool. And then, of course, seeing John Cena's entrance with the gospel choir and everything was cool. And then the Miz's entrance with you can hate me now because I won't stop now. That was amazing. Um, Even though he was a heel back then and we couldn't stand him, whatever. (laughs) But both of those entrances were really cool. And then you had The Undertaker and his entrance singing the whole, doing the whole Johnny Cash song was amazing. And that was like the second match that he had had with Triple H um, at WrestleMania. And they, and that was definitely a barn burner for me, at least. And then, of course, you know, Snooki was there. Um, and she had her little match with, um, because she was tagging with John Morrison and Trish Stratus against um, Lay Cool with Layla and Michelle McCool and Dolph Ziggler. And that was fun. And it sort of almost, and that match was just really short when I rewatched it. And it sort of speaks to where women were back then because back then they weren't taking it seriously and then you also had this one segment where you had Eve backstage with Mae Young um respect to her 
and The Rock, but yet she was, and Eve Torres was like the Divas champion, but she didn't have a match, you know, to defend her title. And that kind of sucked to a certain degree um, to rewatch that because you're just like, now it's like women are burning the houses down and have and doing just as much if not better than the men are but back then it just wasn't that just wasn't the case but I will say that I was happy to have experienced Edge's last match um before he announced his retirement he was defending his world heavyweight championship against Alberto Del Rio and you know to see the match for what it was back then I had no clue you know, that Edge was on the verge of retirement because of his injuries. So he wound up winning that match at WrestleMania and wound up, of course, beating up on Alberto De Rio's Rolls Royce car. Um, and that was fun to see because vandalism. But anyway, um, <laughs> but the next week for him to announce his retirement was shell shocking, you know, to me and my dad and my sister, because we're just like, bro, we just saw you wrestle last week. But God, okay. And it was just really emotional. And then you, of course, you know, you fast forward to now to at this WrestleMania that like Edge has bounced back and fought in this last man standing match with Randy Orton. So, hey, (laughs) look at that. And then to also speak to the women now, you know, they go from having like this five minute, you know, celebrity cutesy match to now, you know, their main eventing WrestleManias. And at this WrestleMania, they had about four or five matches on the card because they had Liv Morgan and Natalya on the pre-show. They had the Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler um, on the main card. You had the Fatal Five Way match um, with the SmackDown Women's Championship with Bailey, Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Naomi, and Tamina. You had um, freaking like basically there's just more and then you also had the women's tag match between alexa bliss and nikki cross and the kabuki warriors it's just so much of wrestling has evolved so much since the wrestlemania that i've been to and it's just been so amazing to sort of see that evolution take place and so we get to wrestlemania 36 it was unprecedented because of course everything that's happening in the world had had made WWE had to make some changes of course there was no audience and that was definitely different because so much of Wrestlemania is based off of what the audience does and I can't sit here and pretend that it doesn't but at the same time I just didn't let the audience barrier get in my way because I've just been it this crisis has helped me to sort of take the things that I love and enjoy and sort of just turn them into positives because I'm not going to ever stop watching wrestling just because there's a storm outside or I'm not going to ever stop watching wrestling because there's something else going on in my life you know that's you know ratchet or crazy so why would I stop watching wrestling now because of no audience like I can't depend on someone else on the outside to give to give me joy about something that I get joy from from within. So there being no audience didn't phase me at all. And plus, you know, being able to watch wrestling weekly on a weekly basis since this crisis has started um, with no audience has basically numbed me to it to a certain degree. So I'm like, OK, so I'm going to still watch WrestleMania because WrestleMania is my baby. That's like my favorite pay-per-view of the whole year, if you can't already tell. So. I enjoyed everything that they did because you could still tell that they um, put forth the great effort of putting on an amazing show. You had Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. You know, that match, you know, started off okay, but then it ended in in a disqualification. But then they restarted the match and you had Kevin Owens basically beating the crap out of Seth Rollins, who came out dressed like a wannabe Jesus but anyway um and he jumped off of the Wrestlemania sign that they put out there on Seth Rollins and basically kicked his butt like that was great and of course you had Charlotte Flair you know go over on Rhea Ripley and that kind of made me feel some type of way but at the same time 
you know, there was a lot of other circumstances going into why Rhea Ripley had to give up the title. But, you know, what else is Charlotte Flair going to do at this point, considering the fact that she's won every title um, in the W, every singles title in WWE um, involving the women anyway. So what else is she going to do? Um, so she's NXT Women's Champion now. Um, you had... Of course, the Firefly Funhouse match and how amazing that was because it wasn't just a traditional, you know, match. It's like from start to finish, it had John Cena, you know, sort of being his goofy self saying, welcome to WrestleMania. And then it got cut off. And it was like a progressive journey showing the failures of John Cena and how, you know, his debut even started off as a failure because he was the whole ruthless aggression guy who pushed um, Kurt Angle, you know, and hit him and all of the above. And then you had how he basically had to switch his character up or else he was in danger of getting fired. And it showed him, you know, basically becoming a caricature of the Hulk Hogan type where he was pushed as the face of the company and he had to basically, you know, carry the company on his shoulders after, you know, this tragic thing had happened with Chris Benoit. So he had to go forth and be positive within that. So there was that component of it, but yet even with him being positive and being the Hulk Hogan archetype, he never turned heel. And they spoke to that with the whole WCW thing and showing Bray Wyatt be like, um, Eric Bischoff in the idea that he was able to sort of like welcome, you know, the Hulk Hogan-esque character out, but then it showed John Cena dressed in NWO clothes, and that was a complete mind F for me, because I'm looking at this like, whoa, like, whoa, like, you know, John Cena wasn't there for that, but could you imagine John Cena leading the charge in the NWO? Could you at some point? Haha. <laughs> but it also spoke to the idea that the fans always wondered what it would be like if he, if John Cena had a turn heel, if he had to beat Bray Wyatt with that chair at WrestleMania 30. But it didn't happen because they just wanted John Cena to always win everything, you know, and be the peppy happy guy to make kids happy and all of that. But, you know. <laughs> that match basically turned it on his head and basically like made John Cena look like he was less than what he actually is. And I, for one, enjoyed the ride and it was incredible. But I suggest if you haven't watched it, please do. And then I also suggest if you haven't watched the Boneyard match between The Undertaker and AJ Styles, please watch that because you had the return of Biker Taker. <laughs> Even though he didn't come out to Limp Biscuits rolling, which made me sad. But, you know, I mean, that's a small issue. Like, that storytelling was amazing, except I was mad because I'm trying to figure out where the OC was able to conjure up all of these druids from. They don't have magic powers. But anyway, um, <laughs> but the match was just really amazing. You know, you had AJ Styles, you know, making fun of the fact that, oh, you're an old man, Undertaker. You don't have any more and all that. But the Undertaker was like, bro, I have mystical powers and I will wreck you. And he did. And he buried him. And it was just like really cool. And I think this is so I felt weird watching this match, considering now my workplace is at a cemetery. But that's another story for another day. But it was just enjoyable. And then, of course, you had the SmackDown Women's Championship title match with Bayley and Sasha Banks and Lacey Evans and Naomi and Tamina. And that had layers of story to it. You have um, Naomi, Tamina and Sasha sort of doing their whole unity thing from Team Bad from like 2014. And that was cool to see again. And... Then, of course, you have the layers between Bailey and Sasha Banks because Sasha is being a better friend to Bailey than Bailey is being to her at this point. And you can see it unraveling in the match where um, Sasha basically got hit in the face by Lacey and basically got eliminated from the match, but then somehow still helped Bailey win the match. But you can still see that there was some aggression, some passive aggressiveness towards Bailey because of it. And then it also speaks to what happened on SmackDown where you had, you know, 
Sasha Banks being thrust into a match with Tamina so Tamina can get an opportunity at Bayley's championship, which is great and all, but at the same time, you can tell that they're doing the slow burn towards Sasha and Bayley finally breaking up. So it's amazing. (laughs) And then, of course, you had Otis and Mandy finally getting together, like, because it was finally revealed two weeks ago on SmackDown that, um... Sonya and Dolph Ziggler broke up Otis and Mandy's Valentine's Day date and it was revealed by the mystery person um behind the computer that they did this so now you have Mandy and Sonya who are now broken up fire and desire are no longer a thing and Dolph and Mandy are no longer a thing and then Otis won his match because Mandy came out there with the assist and beat up Sonya Deville and hit Dolph Ziggler and the Nads so now they're together and they're a couple but yet you still have Sonya and Dolph sort of trying to justify what they've done but yet they haven't told us the reason why so it's crazy so in terms of storyline purposes this was a great Wrestlemania so and then and then of course I cannot forget the debut of Bianca Belair. Oh my God, my girl Bianca, Black History in the Making, my queen, came. And that was amazing to see because she debuted in the tag team match between, of course, the Street Profits and Angel Garza and Austin Theory with Zelina Vega. And the Street Profits won the match. But then you had Zelina Vega sort of leading the charge with them still beating them up. And then Zelina decided she was going to put her hands on Montez Ford. And as y'all know, you never put your hands on another black woman's husband. So (laughs) Bianca Belair came out there and defended Montez Ford, who was her husband. And came out there and fought Zelina Vega and debuted in fantastic form and said, I go here now. So now Bianca is on Raw and I'm going to discuss that more later. But Jesus, that was cool. So all in all, I know there's a lot of stuff that I've missed, but all in all, um, I enjoyed WrestleMania. Like even with no audience, even though, you know, everything got changed around and switched around and everything else like that. I still enjoyed all of it and I suggest if you haven't watched it please watch it and also know that it's split up in two parts it's not a one-time thing um they split it up over two days which I also enjoy too because you know watching or watching a full-on Wrestlemania for like seven hours on end when you have somewhere else to go the next morning is really hard but I do it because I love it but having it split up over two days was really cool for me so and it was very convenient too so I just suggest, you know, that there were a lot of fans who were talking about um, how they just couldn't watch WrestleMania because there was no audience and they felt like it wasn't going to be good or all this other stuff because there was no audience. But I will say this. I suggest that during this crisis, you find the joy in what you love because everything can get to you and all that other stuff but if you can't find the joy in the things that you love then you won't make it through and I hate that a lot of wrestling fans did not trust that WWE was going to put on a good show regardless of the fact that this is going on and it was just kind of like bro like why can't you trust them to actually give us something good so I suggest that in the midst of all this craziness going on in the world you please find something that gives you joy and if wrestling does truly give you joy you know relish in that love on it you know like find an escape in it don't tear it down because it seems like everything else is already being torn down as it is don't tear out don't tear down this thing that you supposedly love simply because it's there's unfamiliar territory So I commend the WWE for still putting on WrestleMania. And I am so sorry for the fans who did indeed have plans on going because I did, you know, have plans on going. But at the same time, I feel so sorry for those people who did, you know, buy tickets and all that and couldn't go. But at the same point and rate, they're doing it for our safety. And but then I almost feel like the fans would have crapped on WWE anyway if they didn't take you know our safety seriously so it's almost like a lose-lose situation 
with some fans, but I just know as for me as a fan, I appreciate and love WWE for still putting on this show every year and not stopping simply because of this um, crisis. And I will always watch wrestling regardless of the craziness of the world. And that's the end of this story time segment. Now we move on to the main event. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the main event in which we talk about all of the shows that happened this week. And since I already spent the first segment talking about everything that happened in WrestleMania, which I do recommend that you watch, um, we're going to talk about all the shows that happened after WrestleMania, which is usually when all the all the cool popping stuff happens. So we're going to start with Raw after Mania. And we're going to start with the girls. Oscar and Liv Morgan fought and Liv Morgan's outfit was totally flames throughout this entire match but that really means nothing but you know I love fashion and Oscar was stomping on Liv but Liv kept fighting back with a flurry of punches um she also gave a lot of kicks to Oscar with a near fall and then Liv kept kicking and Liv kept kicking Oscar out of the ring and then outside of the ring Liv hit Liv got her face hit on the apron by Oscar she was being very vicious and she hit an arm lock to Liv when they got back in the ring and then knocked Liv down. And then when Liv tried to get back up, Oscar need Liv to a need Liv in the face to a near fall. And then Liv kept punching and hitting double knees on Oscar and hit a clothesline on Oscar. But then after a huge basically after a huge flurry of fighting, Oscar ultimately wound up winning a match with an Oscar lock. So she basically came out and won a match after she wound up being defeated by the um, by the team of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the tag team titles. So there was that. And then they also showed a recap of Becky versus Shayna at Mania. And then, of course, afterward, they had an interview with Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler. But I found very I found it very telling that Shayna was saying that she was going to promise Becky Lynch the agony of her defeat. Which basically means this story between Becky and Shayna isn't over. And I was really glad it wasn't over because, quite frankly, I never understood how is it that Raw um, could beef up Shayna Baszler to look like such a monster and had her run through the entire women's division on Raw at Elimination Chamber only for her to lose to Becky all because of a lucky break and with a lucky, like, pin. So that story's not over. And also with the women, which is also a mixture of what was going on with the men as well. You had you had a rematch, of course, with the Street Profits and um, Team Angel slash Austin Theory with Zelina Vega. And Bianca Belair came out and challenged Zelina to a match because literally like Zelina Vega interfered and she was dressed to fight anyway. And the Street Profits were taking advantage of the match with pure athleticism like they did like they did the Sunday night before but then Zelina interfered and got and got Angel and Austin Theory de- disqualified and then all and as they were all beating up on Montez again Bianca Belair ran and challenged Zelina to a match and then both women showed great athleticism but at the same time it was really weird because it was just like the men kept interfering and it was irritating me and I really feel like Zelina Vega should be fighting in matches more often because she is like the antithesis to Lana in the idea that she is a manager who can wrestle meanwhile Lana is a manager who can't wrestle but anyway that's besides the point um I'll mention Lana later but then there was but then as that tag team match you know came down and there was a um, match between Bianca Belair and Zelina Vega that came to a no contest there was they decided to create a triple threat match in which the Street Profits actually won so it was really confusing but anyway um Bianca Belair is on Raw and that's all that matters so and then also with the women you had Lana um Lana and Bobby Lashley are having marital problems and marital troubles and backstage after Bobby Lashley's you know defeat by Aleister Black at WrestleMania he was saying that he was in need of new management and a new wife and Lana blamed Charlie for make Charlie Caruso for making Bobby Lashley upset so now there's trouble in paradise um no Kofi Kingston no um 
<laughs> and also with the women, we had Nia Jax returning and she fought Deanna Perrazzo from NXT. And she basically took advantage of Deanna Perrazzo throughout this whole match and dominated, which is basically what you should do when somebody's returned. Um, she gave a big clothesline after mushing Deanna Perrazzo's face and then she gave another clothesline and a Samoan drop and a DDT for the win. Now, I really feel like most of the excitement came from... Um, most of the excitement basically just came from the women divi- women's division um, on Monday night because you had Bianca Belair making her Raw debut and you had Nia Jax coming back from her knee injuries. And then they also showed an interview that they had with Rhea Ripley after her defeat by um, Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's Championship. And she was very devastated. She was crying from the fact that she had lost. And she stated that she felt like Charlotte actually was better than she than she initially gave her credit for. And Charlotte went backstage and said, I, said that she doesn't need anyone to congratulate her. And she said that her father used to say that with all of his custom suits and titles and everything, he used to say that the, ti- that the title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title. And she was saying that she was going to make the NXT Women's title. And she said that Rhea Ripley was all right, but she does what every woman in this in this industry does, is, and that's bow down to the queen. So that's literally all that happened with the women, but it was really exciting though. And then at the beginning of the show with the men, they did a recap of Drew McIntyre winning the WWE title against um, Brock Lesnar. And then they also kept teasing a surprise at the end of the show, which I'll address later on. And like I said, there was a match between the Street Profits and there was a rematch between the Street Profits and um, Angel Garza and Austin Theory. But that match was all over the place. And then there was Aleister Black versus Apollo Crews, who has now been traded back to Raw. Hopefully he can turn around. But there were so many impressive parts of this match because there was a point while I was watching this match where I thought for sure that Apollo Crews was just about to get ran through like a jobber because for some strange reason, they just never let him win anything or never let him gain any momentum. The most momentum that he has ever gained was when he was with Titus O'Neil when they were Titus Worldwide and even that didn't come to anything. But he had an impressive showing here against Aleister Black. Um, there were a lot of backflip arm locks, um, by Aleister Black that were just really impressive. Apollo was holding his own with his high flying action because he moves really fast for someone who looks as heavy as he is. Um, there were a lot of hard strikes from Aleister Black, but Apollo kept sending Aleister Black out of the ring and hit a couple of kicks and a backflip. Then Apollo kept hold, actually held Aleister Black in a headlock. But then Aleister Black fought back with hard strikes. But then Apollo hit a suplex with a near fall. And he hit a power bomb onto, onto Aleister Black to another near fall. It was just a lot of a lot of back and forth. And literally Apollo almost had him a couple of times. And then he tried to hit a splash. But then Aleister Black moved out of the way and it locked in a leg submission. But Apollo refused to tap out. Then Aleister Black missed a black mask one time and then got kicked out of the ring. And then Aleister Black gained an advantage after he got back in the ring with kicks and flips. But then Apollo hit drop kicks on, on Aleister Black's injured leg from the night before. And then Apollo hit a superplex from the top rope on, onto Aleister Black for another near fall. And then Apollo hit his signature shooting star press to a near fall. And then they both went on the top rope, but Apollo threw Aleister Black off. But then Aleister Black hit the black mask for the hard fought win. But like I said, Apollo really had a good showing here. And I really hope that he can capitalize off of that. And then they showed a recap of the Edge versus Randy Orton last man standing match, which was really good, but also really long. And... There was a tag team match between Cedric Alexander and Ricochet versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch from NXT. And that was about as athletic as it could get between all four of those dudes, but ultimately Cedric and Ricochet won. And then they showed another recap of Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. And they did an interview with Kevin Owens and he talked about how he struggled with Seth and his followers um, in the form of the Authors of Pain and Buddy Murphy. And he talked about how important it was that he got his WrestleMania moment. And he said maybe he'll focus on other things like being a prize fighter, like fighting for titles, or fighting people like Seth because this is the Kevin Owens show. Then Seth Rollins came out looking like he was really upset from having lost to Kevin Owens when he fought 
um, a jobber by the, I know his first name was Denzel, but I can't remember his last name. And he hit a stomping DDT and then he, um, well, not a DDT, I'm sorry. Um, he threw Denzel against the wall and he basically just threw him back in the ring and hit him with a curb stomp with a victory. And he walked out just looking upset. And then they showed a recap of the Boneyard match. And there was another match between Humberto Carrillo and Brandon Vick, which I think Humberto wound up winning. And then you have Drew McIntyre at the end of the show giving an emotional thank you to Paul uh, to Paul Heyman and the fans, you know, for basically driving him to win the title. And he said Brock was ready to go to war in his eyes. And then Paul said, keep giving him the F5, Brock. And it reminded Drew that in his personal life, he's crawled to get to this point in his career. And he got angry with every F5 that he received. And he was going to claymore him, but he couldn't, you know, and he was going to claymore him until he couldn't anymore in order to win the title. But then, as a surprise, the Big Show came out near the end of WrestleMania as well and challenged him for the title. And this match was kind of odd because it kind of felt like the Big Show was supposed, was almost supposed to win because he kept hitting him with all his best stuff. But then Drew McIntyre wound up fighting back and wound up still retaining the title. And I really believe they had the Big Show do that for Drew McIntyre simply because of the fact that Big Show had a TV show, of course, being released on Netflix. It's out already now um, called The Big Show Show. And it felt really weird because I'm just like, so you mean to tell me you brought back this semi-retired dude to fight your newly crowned champion at WrestleMania and didn't show it till the Monday afterward to promote a Netflix show when y'all could have just showed commercials and just let Drew have his moment in the sun. But as long as Drew is still champion, I really don't care. And that's really all that happened on Raw. So now we're going to go to um, NXT. Okay, so now we're going on to NXT um, This from this Wednesday. They did a recap of the rivalry between Tommaso Ciampa and Gar- Johnny Gargano because it was supposed to be their last fight this time. And Mauro Ronaldo came back and he was basically going solo on this show. So they were treating it as if it was an NXT takeover that would have happened in Tampa. So they had the number one contenders ladder match for the NXT Women's Championship, which is now held by Charlotte Flair. And it was Io Shirai versus Mia Yim versus Chelsea Green with Robert Stone versus Tegan Knox and versus Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez versus Candy LeRae. I call her Candy Kane. Anyway, basically this match was basically like amazing. It was all over the place. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to try um, to recap it as best as I can. They all basically paired off to to beat each other up. Dakota tried to utilize Gonzalez for the ladder, but Mia and Candice kicked the ladder in Raquel's face, and they all get revenge on Kai by beating her up and ganging up on her. Then Io Shirai flew and landed on them and then got the ladder. Then Candice LeRae tried to climb the ladder at an incline, which I thought was really impressive, while Io had it in her hand. And then Io and Candy face off, and then Chelsea hit a bulldog on them with the ladder. Chelsea Green and Mia were basically battling it out outside of the ring, but Dakota and Tegan kept striking each other, which is basically rekindling their rivalry. And then Chelsea um, and Tegan played a tug of war with the ladder. Then the girls fight on, and then all the girls were fighting on two ladders until until Chelsea took a chair to Mia Yim. But then Mia Yim hit Chelsea's leg with the chair. And then while Io was climbing, Raquel pushed the ladder, but then she jumped onto everyone else gathered outside of the ring. Raquel kept getting involved by throwing Mia out of the ring and helping Dakota up the lo- up the ladder, which was so annoying. And then you had Candice LeRae knocking Dakota off the ladder. And then Tegan and Mia crashed Raquel through a table, but then Dakota kicked Tegan off of the top turnbuckle into a ladder. And then Robert Stone interjected himself in the match by trying to help Chelsea onto the ladder because Chelsea injured her um, left knee somehow. But then Candy and Io basically pushed them both off the, off into the ropes, which also injured Chelsea Green even more. 
and they both battled onto the ladder until EO pushed Candice LeRae off and EO wound up winning the contendership. So now at some point between, you know, I guess now in Money in the Bank or whenever, um, EO Shirai is going to have the chance to face Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's title, which I think is really cool. And also with the women, they had a whole recap with um, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. And that's really all that happened with the women until the end of the show, which I'm going to talk about. And then they showed a recap of Finn Balor attacking Imperium. And basically, and basically Finn was addressing his next move. And Finn, I believe on NXT UK, beat one of the members of Imperium in order to challenge Walter for the NXT UK championship. So that's where he's going to go. He's going to go to NXT UK for those who watch it. Um, he's going to challenge for that title over there. And then they did a recap of the debut of the new um, Indian tag team, Indu Share, with their manager, Malcolm Bivens, two weeks ago. And they made their in-ring debut against this tag team called Everrise, by, and, and they are Matt Martell and Chase Parker. And this match was almost one-sided, and it was unfair, but I know why they did it that way, um, to basically beef up, beef up this new tag team. So, Martell twisted Rinku's arm, um, but then he got hit, and then Chase Parker got in got in some quick offense but then Riku kept hitting a hit another devastating clothesline and then tags in his partner Sarab and then they dominate Chase Parker for most of the match and then Riku and Sarab hit a pendulum backbreaker to Parker to win to, to win the match so it was a very powerful in-ring debut for Indusher and then I also feel weird because Malcolm Bivens was basically bragging about having won an NAACP award and a BET award and I don't ever recall ever seeing him do any of that but maybe it's just a character thing. I don't know. And then they also recapped um, last month when Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde were abducted by mystery masked people. Like they had on lucha masks, but they also had on suits. But yet they got kidnapped by these dudes and nobody knows who they are. So hopefully they'll show back up at some point. And then we had Adam Cole addressing Velveteen Dream in a video from his house. And he said, lightning never strikes twice. He said he told Velveteen that you don't deserve a shot at my title. If you keep pushing, maybe one day I'll end the experience. And there's nothing that you can do about it. And he said, and that is undisputed. And then NXT made the announcement that there will be a tournament to determine an interim cruiserweight champion next week. Which I find kind of weird because the actual cruiserweight champion is like... I forgot his name. I think it's Jordan Devlin. And he's literally the champion, but he can't be at this point because it's like he's holding a title, but he can't make it back to the States in order to defend it because of the crisis or whatever. But I feel like an interim champion would just be weird because not only do you have to create a whole nother title, but it's just the fact that you have the actual champion and then you'll have an interim champion. And it's just like, why can't you guys just let him hold it until... Um, he can get back to the state so he can actually defend it. Like, I feel like that's a little bit unnecessary, but what do I know? I'm just a fan. Um, <laughs> and then the show ended with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano fighting their one final beat match in an empty building. And, um, that was pretty interesting. Johnny Gargano arrived with Can with Candace and she gave him a bag and drove away, which I thought was very mysterious. And Triple H was waiting for them in the ring and gives them and he gave gave them the rules of the match and then he left. And then there was a referee. They beat on each other in and out of the ring, but the dialogue was very compelling. Tommaso Ciampa said at one point, I thought you were my brother. Brothers is what you said. And then Johnny Gargano said, I expected more out of you. You're so tough. You always talk about how you come back from injuries. And then he wound up taking a chair and hitting Tommaso Ciampa in the arm and then the ACL and who can forget the neck and he 
And then the referee actually had dialogue too. And he was like, Johnny, he has an injured neck. That's too far. But Johnny was like, that's too far. That's too far. It was crazy and very dramatic. And then Tommaso then took a chair and then put it around Johnny's neck and then hit the chair into the ring pose. Then Tommaso Ciampa picked up his signature crutch and choked Johnny with it. And then he beats on him until Johnny sprays a fire extinguisher in Tommaso's face. And then Tommaso Ciampa slammed Johnny through a table. And then, and then Tommaso Ciampa proceeded to cut the apron, to cut the apron and padding off of the ring. And this was my first time seeing the wood part of a ring, so that was interesting. And then Johnny weaseled his way outside and hit Tommaso Ciampa with a production box and slammed him against the truck. Then Tommaso Ciampa climbed onto the truck and then goaded Johnny until they were both up there and then they beat each other up some more. Then Johnny Gargano locked in the Gargano escape and then they um, traded kicks back and forth. Then they get down from the truck and go back inside to the ring as Johnny jumped on Tommaso Ciampa through a table. And then the exposed, and I, I can truly say that looking at this exposed wood in the ring just gave me mad anxiety, but that's neither here nor there. And then Tommaso Ciampa got the crutch again, but then somehow or another Johnny Gargano took advantage and said, you're a failure as a man, a husband, and a father. And he said that his daughter Willow is going to thank him for this. But then Tommaso beat Johnny within an inch of his life once he mentioned his daughter's name. And then he gave Johnny a DDT on the exposed wood. Told you, the anxiety was there. Then they gave each other super kicks. But then Candice LeRae wound up coming inside of the building and said, and basically begged them to stop. But she kept saying, are you happy now? I hate my husband. I'll finish it. And she kicked Johnny in in the balls and left but then Tommaso Ciampa kept apologizing to Johnny by saying I'm sorry I'm so sorry you know because he didn't know that he had messed up his life like that but then Candace showed up and then kicked Tommaso Ciampa in the balls and then Johnny showed the cup that he had on to protect his area but then he covered Tommaso Ciampa for the win and Candy was dragging Johnny away so I guess now Candace LeRae is a bad guy along with her husband so as much as they were talking about how this was the last match I just don't think it is because you used your wife to basically beat you to to basically like beat the person who you've been going after all this time so we'll see how that goes. And now we're going to go to SmackDown. All right, and now we've gotten to the main event part of SmackDown after Mania. So <laughs> with the women, we had um a rematch for the women's tag team championships between alexa bliss and nikki cross and the kabuki warriors um there was a couple of moments during this match where Kyrie um hit a kick and started attacking bliss and cross and sane and bliss kept trading punches and asuka and Kyrie sane um had the tag advantage because they were keeping because they were keeping Alexa Bliss from tagging um, Nikki Cross. But then Bliss hit a dropkick on Asuka. And then Asuka and Nikki were fighting on the commentary table. Much to the enjoyment of Corey Graves who was back on commentary. And um, with Michael Cole. And then Nikki jumped on Asuka. But then Kyrie Sane took advantage of Nikki by keeping her from, from tagging Bliss. But then there was a twisted Bliss from the top rope. And then Nikki hit her twisting netbreaker to retain the tag titles. So I'm guessing that story is going to end at some point. And also with the women, there was the recap of the drama between Otis and Otis from Heavy Machinery and Dolph Ziggler and basically um Corey well not Corey but <laughs> Michael Cole was talking about how Otis's victory kept give, giving hope to ordinary guys and then Dolph and Sonya basically ragged on Michael Cole and Corey Grace for making fun of the situation that happened in WrestleMania between them and then Sonya kept saying that's my best friend this isn't funny we're trying to fix it blah 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 but then Tucker took it upon himself to rub the new pictures of Mandy and Otis in Dolph and Sonya's face and he came out to fight in a match you know to defend Otis's honor but that didn't nothing really came of that so back to the women 
There was also a situation in which Bailey, who is still your SmackDown Women's Champion, came out with Sasha Banks and she was bragging about the idea how she retained the title, you know, all on her own, even though Sasha was in a ring with her and, you know, Sasha was the one who basically took the sacrifice punch for her. And then Tamina came out and basically said that she wanted to challenge for that title because she felt like she was the closest to beating Bailey. But Bailey basically said, if you finally she said fine if if you feel like you want to challenge me for my title next week you have to fight Sasha Banks to which Sasha Banks looked back at Bailey and was like girl why you know like she was basically setting her up to lose and Sasha was not happy about that and so now Tamina has an opportunity to go after Bailey and her championship which I'm happy about because we don't seem to see enough of Tamina on WWE television at all and it makes me sad because she's talented she's a snooker she's Samoan why can't we see her as much as we see the Usos or as much as we see um as much as we see Roman Reigns or as much as we see The Rock or Nia Jax like come on let's give Tamina a chance people but um, that's pretty much all that happened with the women in terms of that. And then if you go to the men, the show started with Braun Strowman coming out with the Universal title. And they showed a recap of his match. And I really feel like Braun Strowman really deserves this moment. And Strowman talked about this, you know, how at Mania, he took everything Goldberg had to dish out, but he refused to stay down and he put Goldberg down for good. And he was just happy to have the opportunity. But his old rival, Shinsuke Nakamura, interrupted him. And he actually came out alone until a certain point. And he said, last time we saw you, we beat you. And then he said, be careful for what you wish for. And he gave a Japanese proverb that basically said, the weak are meat, but the strong eat. And then Cesaro tried to attack Braun Strowman from behind, but then Braun pushed him over outside of the ring, and then Shin kicked Braun, and they all, and then they basically just slithered away. So, a match happened, a match came out of that between Shinsuke and Braun Strowman. And then, we had Elias basically bragging and singing about how he beat King Corbin, and he talked about how, like Simba, he returned, and he looks forward to Money in the Bank and and how he wants to turn hit the Money in the Bank briefcase into a guitar case. And then they and then WWE also made the announcement that WrestleMania was the most social event in WWE history, but I already discussed that. So then they announced the Triple H 25th anniversary celebration. And Dolph and Tucker fought in their match, but then Dolph won, which kind of sucked. But that's whatever. And then I know Miz and Morrison's dirt sheet happened and they were singing their song like Miz and Morrison. Hey, hey, ho, ho. And they're still trying to get that to become a thing. I think they made a t-shirt out of it on shop.com, but they were interrupted by the Usos and the New Day, which led to them basically making a match, I believe, next week between the other members of the tag teams who didn't participate in the tag team ladder match from WrestleMania um, to compete for the tag titles. So in this match, it's going to be, I believe, Big E, um, Jey Uso, and The Miz to fight for the tag titles. So that's going to be very interesting. And also, Shinsuke Nakamura and Braun Strowman had their match and I believe Braun Strowman either came out victorious or there was some type of shenanigans involved or whatever. But then I know after the match, Bray Wyatt issued a challenge to Braun Strowman because he wants his universal title back. And I'm really, really excited about that because I did feel some type of way about him losing to Goldberg at Super Showdown only for Goldberg to go on and then lose to Braun Strowman at WrestleMania. But I know why they got Goldberg for that. They got Goldberg for WrestleMania to basically appeal to the casual fans and whatever. But at the same point in rate, taking the title off of Bray was just kind of like, eh, but I understand why they did it though. And then it's not like Bray didn't have a good run with John Cena with this Firefly Funhouse match. So it was still good in and of itself. Everything was fine. But I'm glad Bray Wyatt has a chance to get his title back. So that's all that happened on SmackDown. And now we're going to move on to the conclusion.
so thank you so much um, for listening to me so far. I've seen um, over the past week, I've received about over 110 um, plays for my podcast across all um across most of the places where main where people mainly listen to podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. So I thank you so much for supporting me um, in this endeavor for those who do listen. And then for those who don't listen, you know, you know, if you have someone in your life who's interested in listening to an interesting podcast or a cool podcast or something like that while they're chilling or, you know, just looking for something to listen to while they work or whatever, then refer them to mine, you know, because even though a lot of people might not be wrestling fans, this might be the catalyst for them to try something new or watch something they've never really paid much attention to before or to watch something that they watched as a child but then kind of lost interest with when they grew up. So refer a friend (laughs) to my podcast if you want um thank you to those who do listen um thank you for still supporting me even in the midst of everything that's going on um in life and I just do want to say to just keep your heads up you know stay safe um stay you know surrounded with positive vibes and I will and also stay prayed up if that's what you you know subscribe to and I will try my best to get to pull out a new episode this week. Um, so, cause there's a lot of new stuff going on. So anyway, I thank you so much for listening. Remember you can follow me on social media at Instagram at Queen Steph Hardy or on my podcast page at Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And you can also follow me on Facebook um, at Stephanie LaShawn Hardy. And you can follow me on Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy. And make sure to listen to me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. I'm not on YouTube yet, but please, you know, I will be sharing all the links in which you can listen to me on my Facebook page. So here again, thank you so much for listening to me. And until the next go round, um, stay safe, stay prayed up, stay blessed, and have a good week. Bye!